It's February 27th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and I am honored to have you with me today as we continue our journey through the Bible in one year. We're coming very close to the close of our second month together. You're doing it. I'm proud of you. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other, and we are going to read this as a community together this year. Now, today's Old Testament reading begins in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22, and it's going to end in chapter 22, verse 16. As always, I am reading out of the New Living Translation. This is Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22. You must keep all my decrees and regulations by putting them into practice. Otherwise, the land to which I am bringing you to as your new home will vomit you out. This is God speaking to the Israelite people, by the way, in verse 23, continuing on. Do not live according to the customs of the people I am driving out before you. It is because they do these shameful things that I detest them. But I have promised you, you will possess their land because I will give it to you as your possession, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has set you apart from all other people. You must therefore make a distinction between ceremonially clean and unclean animals, and between clean and unclean birds. You must not defile yourselves by eating any unclean animal or bird or creature that scurries along the ground. I have identified them as being unclean for you. You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. Men and women among you who act as mediums or who consult the spirits of the dead must be put to death by stoning. They are guilty of a capital offense. Moving into chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the priest, the descendants of Aaron. A priest must not make himself ceremonially unclean by touching the dead body of a relative. The only exceptions are his closest relatives, his mother or father, son or daughter, brother or his virgin sister who depends on him because she has no husband. But a priest must not defile himself and make himself unclean for someone who is related to him only by marriage. The priest must not shave their heads or trim their beards or cut their bodies. They must be set apart as holy to their God and must never bring shame on the name of God. They must be holy for they are the ones who present the special gifts to the Lord, gifts of food for their God. Priests may not marry a woman defiled by prostitution and they may not marry a woman who is divorced from her husband for the priests are set apart as holy to their God. You must treat them as holy because they offer up food to your God. You must consider them holy because I, the Lord, am holy, and I make you holy. If a priest's daughter defiles herself by becoming a prostitute, she also defiles her father's holiness, and she must be burned to death. The high priest has the highest rank of all the priests. The anointing oil has been poured on his head, and he has been ordained to wear priestly garments. He must never leave his hair uncombed or tear his clothing. He must not defile himself by going near a dead body. He may not make himself ceremonially unclean, even for his father or mother. He must not defile the sanctuary of his God by leaving it to attend to a dead person, for he has been made holy by the anointing oil of his God. I am the Lord. The high priest may marry only a virgin. He may not marry a widow, a woman who is divorced, or a woman who has defiled herself by prostitution. She must be a virgin from his own clan, so that he will not dishonor his descendants among his clan. For I am the Lord who makes him holy. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to Aaron. In all future generations, none of your descendants who has any defect will qualify to offer food to his God. No one who has a defect qualifies, whether he is blind, lame, disfigured, deformed, or has a broken foot or arm, or is hunched back or dwarfed, or has a defective eye or skin sores or scabs or damaged testicles. 
No descendant of Aaron who has a defect may approach the altar to present special gifts to the Lord. Since he has a defect, he may not approach the altar to offer food to his God. However, he may eat from food offered to God, including his holy offerings and the most holy offerings. Yet, because of his physical defect, he may not enter the room behind the inner curtain or approach the altar, for this would defile my holy places. I am the Lord who makes them holy. So Moses gave these instructions to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites. I want to pause because this can seem um, a little bit, uh, you know, not very sensitive of God, uh, that he wouldn't let people who have defects close to him. But it's not because God isn't sensitive. It's because holiness cannot be in the presence of sin or its effects. And the reason people have defects uh, is because there is sin in this world. That is not God's original plan for your life, that your back would be sore or that you would have a mental handicap or that any of, any of the things that are effect of this fallen world, the things we don't fully understand why God would allow them to happen, it's because sin has done it. And a holy God cannot be in the presence of sin. Uh, but we see the mercy of God in the fact that he sends his son Jesus to come be the holiness so that now, no matter our defect, which, by the way, is far more than a physical defect. Whatever you think your physical defect is, your spiritual defect is far worse. And the God of this universe sends his own son, who is God, in the flesh, to come down and live the life we could not live, the righteous, holy life, the only life that truly deserves to be in the presence of God. And he dies the death we deserve to die, atoning for our sin so that we might be purified, so that we could be in the presence of God and be made holy. And then he gives us his righteousness. The righteous life he, he lived is imputed to us so that we might be saved into the presence of God as a child of God. And we await the day in which he returns for those of us who trust in him. And he returns not as a suffering servant, but as a ruling and reigning king who will make all things right. Yeah, this is the gospel. And Leviticus is pointing towards that gospel. You see the the, the true tragedy here is not that God wouldn't allow people with defects close to him. The true amazing tragedy is uh, the fact that a holy God would uh, even have any relationship with people at all. Uh, that, 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 that is what is amazing about this verse. Tragedy is not really the, the right word there, but you, you got the drift of what I was saying. Verse 22. Ver, sorry, chapter 22, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons to be very careful with the sacred gifts that the Israelites set apart for me, so they do not bring shame on my holy name. I am the Lord. Give them the following instructions. In all future generations, if any of your descendants is ceremonially unclean when he approaches the sacred offerings that the people of Israel consecrate to the Lord, he must be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. If any of Aaron's descendants has a skin disease or any kind of discharge that makes him ceremonially unclean, he may not eat from the sacred offerings until he has been pronounced clean. He also becomes unclean by touching a corpse, or by having an emission of semen, or by touching a small animal that is unclean, or by touching someone who is ceremonially unclean for any reason. The man who is defiled in any of these ways will remain unclean until evening. He may not eat from the sacred offerings until he has bathed himself in water. When the sun goes down, he will be ceremonially clean again, and may not eat from the sacred offerings, for this is his food. He may not eat an animal that has died a natural death or has been torn apart by wild animals, for this would defile him. I am the Lord. The priest must follow my instructions carefully. Otherwise, they will be punished for their sin and will die for violating my instructions. I am the Lord who makes them holy. No one outside a priest's family may eat the sacred offerings. Even guests and hired workers in a priest's home are not allowed to eat them. However, if the priest buys a slave for himself, the slave may eat from the sacred offerings. And if his slaves have children, they also may share in his food. 
If a priest's daughter marries someone outside the priestly family, she may no longer eat the sacred offerings. But if she becomes a widow or is divorced and has no children to support her and she returns to live in her father's home, as in her youth, she may eat her father's food again. Otherwise, no one outside a priest's family may eat the sacred offerings. Any such person who eats the sacred offerings without realizing it must pay the priest for the amount eaten, plus an additional 20%. The priest must not let the Israelites defile the sacred offerings brought to the Lord by allowing unauthorized people to eat them. This would bring guilt upon them and require them to pay compensation. I am the Lord who makes them holy. Moving into the New Testament, our New Testament reading today is Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 29. Mark 9, verse 1. Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth. Some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in power. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. (laughs) I love that. That verse has always just been so awesome to me. (laughs) Peter's a nervous talker. You ever met a person like that? Verse 6, he said this because he didn't really know what else to say, for they were all terrified. (laughs) Well, this is amazing. I guess I will just say something. Verse 7, then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. As they went back down the mountain, he had told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept it to themselves, but they often asked each other what he meant by rising from the dead. Then they asked him, Why did the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus responded, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. Yet, why do the scriptures say the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be treated with utter contempt? But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they chose to abuse him, just as the scriptures predicted. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. 
Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind can be cast out only by prayer. That concludes our New Testament reading. Moving into our Proverbs of the day, Proverbs 10, verse 18. Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. And finally, we will be reading the 43rd Psalm in a posture of prayer. This is Psalm 43, and it's five verses. Beginning here in verse 1. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. For you are God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth and let them guide me. Lord, I pray that this, uh, this psalm would be a prayer for somebody today who is struggling uh, with life and with trusting you. Lord, I pray that they could just pray this. And as I speak it over them, Lord, it would be a prayer for them. Because I believe you are good to guide those who admit they need guiding. Continuing on in verse 3. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp, O oh God, my God. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Yes, Lord, let us be people who combat fear and doubt with worship. Because as we worship you, we remember who you are and what you've done. Our problems get a lot smaller. Lord, thank you for who you are and what you've done in Jesus for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me for today's reading, and I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.